0: Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by Johnson & Johnson, TD Bank, New Jersey Sharing Network, PSENG, committed to providing safe, reliable energy now and in the future. The Northward Center, the Russell Berry Foundation, making a difference. NJM Insurance Group, serving New Jersey's drivers, homeowners, and business owners for more than 100 years. The Fidelco Group, and by the Adler Aphasia Center, enriching the lives of people with aphasia, their families, and communities. Promotional support provided by AM970, The Answer, and by NorthJersey.com and LocalIQ, part of the USA Today Network.
1: I'm Steve Adubato. This is Think Tank. You're watching us on News 12 Plus. I want to welcome my colleague Nicole Swinerton, the senior producer of Think Tank. Nicole, I mean, talk about eclectic. We got a, um, four different guests, totally different guests with different points of view, different professions on Think Tank. Set it up.
2: Absolutely. So first you'll see an interview with Rebecca Love um, from San She's talking all about nursing, all about nursing and innovation. And um, we have another segment a little later on the program with Dr. Kathleen Neville from Seton Hall talking as well about nursing. Now so what's
1: the- 2020, the year of?
2: the year of the nurses we are supposed to be celebrating them and we certainly are and mm-hmm. uh two other interviews we have are dr mazga from anglewood and dr carrie LeBender from summit city md and they both actually talk about preventative care and the importance of getting back to the hospitals right. getting the things done you need to get done because the hospitals are safe right now we can get back we can get back in there and get done what we need to
1: yeah. Let's thank our funders and then I'm going to come back to the issue of nursing. Go ahead.
2: Sure. So we'd love to thank Johnson & Johnson, TD Bank, the New Jersey Sharing Network, and the North Ward Center.
1: But also the other funders you'll see identified in this program are PSEG, the Russell Berry Foundation, New Jersey Manufacturers, Fidelco, and Adler Aphasia Center. Um, I'm, I'm going I'm to do this. It's, it's so interesting to call it the year of the nurses or in the year of nursing. And I think to myself, um, I think the Gallup poll has said over and over again, found over and over again, that the most respected profession, the most admired profession is nursing. Hmm. And I think to myself, tell folks what they're about to hear when it came to the question of, because nurses are facing so many challenges in the age of COVID, what did the Dean tell us uh, about, because I thought people wouldn't be going into nursing because of this, what did she tell us?
2: I mean, how many videos and pictures have you seen of the horrible situations that nurses and frontline workers have had to deal with these, these past couple months? That's scary. But nurses who are incredible, they are going back into the field. And there are students who still want to become nurses, enrolling in graduate school to become nurses. I think that's pretty impressive. And it's a true testament to the types of people that the, these nurses are.
1: It takes a certain kind of person, a level of empathy, compassion caring about other people, obviously they're not doing it because they're getting rich being nurses. So while we love and appreciate our physicians and all the respiratory therapists and the other folks on the front lines, there's nothing like a terrific nurse there taking care of you, um, talking to you and being compassionate, particularly in these difficult and uncertain times. Without further ado, on behalf of Nicole and our entire production team, this is Think Tank. Hi, I'm Steve Autobado. Thank you so much for watching. It is our honor to uh, introduce Rebecca Love, who is the president of an organization called Sanciel and vice president of Optimize Rx. Good to see you, Rebecca.
3: Thanks so much for having me, Steve.
1: We're talking all about nurses. We're talking about the nursing profession, particularly in the age of COVID. What is Sanciel and why is it or how is it connected to the
3: nursing profession? So, SonCiel is an organization, 501c3, that stands for the Society of Nurse Scientists, Innovators, Entrepreneurs, and Leaders, and was formed basically by a group of nurses that came together to redefine the appearance, the knowledge, the expertise, and the view of what is possible for nursing—not only today but in the future of healthcare.
1: So, let me ask you this: um, You know, 2020, year of the nurses, year of the nursing profession, and our friends at Johnson and Johnson have, you know, been advocating this. That's how we met, advocating nursing and the nursing profession and nurses, and they introduce us to your organization. But that being said, what I'm curious about, is, curious about is this. To what degree are nurses getting the support that they need being on the front lines in the war against COVID?
3: So I think this is a challenging uh, situation for all nurses on the front lines of COVID. I think that there's been a tremendous shift in healthcare that nurses are being put in directly into the the, the front lines where a lot of professions have been pulled back from the front lines. So you're seeing them crossing the threshold. There's been shortages and challenges with PPE, support systems, also shortages of staffing, substantial challenges, downward pressure facing the nursing profession.
1: So let me ask you, I asked a dean, one of the deans of a large nursing Uh, school, I believe is at Seton Hall University. And and I asked about the impact this is having on folks wanting to go into the nursing profession. And she said, enrollment's up. So my question to you is, how would you describe morale of existing nurses and the nursing profession overall?
3: And so I think morale of the traditional nurses on the front lines is strained, stressed, and feeling overburdened with a system that currently needs to change substantially to keep engaging them and keeping them safe. That being said, I think under any type of pandemic or any place that you feel like you're going to war, there are going to be people that are recognized for their heroism and their hard work. And because of that, I think people are looking at the world today and realizing if there's one profession that can truly make a difference to touch people's lives, nursing is that profession. I think in the environment of COVID where so much is remote, the idea of caring for somebody else in their darkest moments and actually making a true impact is probably what is driving that surge of the next generation. And actually, I am thrilled to hear that, that the dean is saying that because for decades, we've actually seen downward enrollment in nursing um, and, and the best choosing to go into the profession. So I'm thrilled to hear you say that.
1: Hmm. We're actually taping this. By the way, you're in Boston, I want to disclose that. You are up in Boston, we are in New Jersey. Um, back in May, there was an event that SunCL partnered with J&J and also Microsoft on, um, it's called the Nurse Hack for Health, COVID-19 Virtual Hackathon. What was it and why does it matter?
3: So nurses are the end user of nearly every product uh, on the market in, in healthcare. And what we're finding in the era of COVID is so many nurses were not being having their ideas heard or put forward. And so we approached JJ and Microsoft and said, let's do a hackathon together in the era of COVID, because so many of these nurses have tremendous ideas to deal with the challenges that they're facing on the front line. At that time, Sanciel had been hosting virtual nurse meetups for nurses around the world every week that were walking into their shifts that were on the hospital floors, sharing advice, sharing ideas, Ideas of how they were treating these patients. And we recognized a lot of this innovation was not being heard by the outside world. So we approached J&J and Microsoft and we said, let's do a hackathon. And if you're not familiar with the hackathon, that's those three day events where people come together, with problems and create solutions in a weekend. And the goal was to really identify that innovation and make it happen on the front lines and for the frontline nurses to basically feel that they were finally heard about the problems they were seeing and the solutions that they could cr- uh, come up with over the course of the weekend.
1: You know, uh, you mentioned innovation. Uh, I'm a student of leadership, a student of innovation, and it's connection to leadership. So let me ask you, to what degree do you believe the nursing profession moving forward, Rebecca, will change dramatically and forever because of COVID?
3: I think it's inevitable that the future of nursing is going to change in remarkable ways. And I think for the first time that I'm hearing from any of my colleagues on the front line, I think that there has been a change or a slight pivot in the way that the world of healthcare looked at nurses. But for a very long time, I think the world of healthcare has always believed that there was going to be more nurses. They saw us as more of a commodity and a task deliverer. I think when COVID hit and all the systems recognized the only people in the system who had a 360 degree view of everything that happened on a hospital floor was nurses, the respect for their knowledge and expertise insurmountably increased their value within the healthcare system. You're going to hear incredible stories of nurses who basically have come forward and created all of the processes, new products, and new ways to deliver care during COVID, in a time when many other providers for fear were stepping back, was only the nurse on the front line dealing with and managing those patients in all hours of the day, from the moment they crossed that threshold to the time that they passed.
1: Yeah, I said this to that dean of uh, nursing, and I'll say it to you on behalf of everyone in public broadcasting, it shouldn't just be 2020 that is the year of the nurse. Every year should be, for obvious reasons, so, Rebecca, uh, I want to thank you for joining us. Next time uh, you join us, we'll talk about Optimize Rx, if that's okay. Uh,
3: thank you so much for having me, Steve, and thank you for celebrating and recognizing nurses.
1: Absolutely. I'm Steve Adubato. Thanks for uh, being with us. Stay with us because we'll be back after this.
0: To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media.
1: We're now joined by Dr. Mazganat who is Program Director, Urologic Oncology at Englewood Health. Good to see you, Doctor. Good to see you, Steve, and uh, thanks for having me on. You got it, let me ask you this. Um, In the midst of this COVID crisis, this COVID pandemic, we're doing this at the end of the summer, um, it'll be seen after that. What is the message you wanna send to to people watching, listening right now, when it comes to non-COVID-related medical issues that need to
4: be addressed? So my message and the message that my hospital is getting out to the community is that it is now safe to come to the hospital and we have certain measures in place to keep our patients safe. You know, initially when the COVID surge was taking place, um, our emergency room, our hospital, it was packed with COVID patients and we're essentially a COVID hospital. So for a while, we stopped doing electing procedures, um, and we were advising patients not to come in unless they really had to. But now that the surge is over, and thankfully our cases are under control and we've uh, used those techniques to flatten the curve, we've established certain protocols and uh, we put things in place to protect our patients. And a phenomenon that, um, especially in cancer care, and I'm a cancer doctor, that we see is that we don't want patients delaying their care now. And we want patients to know that it's safe to come in and get checked uh, for the things that are important. And that includes, I want to be clear, prostate
1: issues are very significant. Um, I do what I'm supposed to do and hopefully um, other folks out there watching men do as well. Kidney stones, I've had some experience with kidney stones. I'm not making it about me, I'm just saying, there are real issues that need to be addressed, some more serious than others, but there's a danger in putting these off and saying, I'll wait until there's a vaccine. I'll wait until COVID's done. That doesn't make sense.
4: Yes, definitely agree with you. And, um, you know, we're getting the message across to the community that, you know, if you have kidney stones or if you have prostate issues or urinary issues, uh, or you need screening or you need to get checked for certain types of cancer, call your doctor and make the appointments and you know we've made certain changes in the hospital to help keep our patients safe so you know any patient coming to the hospital gets their temperature checked we do a brief survey to make sure they didn't have any exposure or don't have any symptoms of course everyone wears a mask and the other thing that we've been doing is that any patient who has any type of procedure or surgery gets a COVID test before. So all these measures have helped us keep the, um, keep the positive rates and keep our pay down and keep our patients safe, but also allowing patients to come in and get the care that they need.
1: You know, you're up in uh, the Bergen County area. We know Anglewood uh, Health well. They happen to be one of the um, healthcare organizations, one of the hospitals and the hospital systems that supports what we do. But what strikes me is that because you are where you are and it was one of the first regions, first areas of New Jersey very hard hit, fair to
4: say, around COVID? Yeah, so we're very close to New York City. It is, you know, we're right over the uh, George Washington Bridge that's within 10 miles of New York City. And it was, you know, we were in the epicenter of this. And we were one of the first hospitals that, um, you know, had to deal with COVID patients and we, you know, had to figure it out and uh, see what we could do to help the patients and provide the best care that we can. let let me ask you this. Um,
1: The whole question of safety, you talk about the masks, you talk about the temperature taking, you talk about all the other protocols. But at the same time, I want to call it the post-COVID world because everyone is hoping and praying for a vaccine that's effective, that's accessible, that's affordable, that's distributed effectively. To what degree do you believe, Dr. Ganat, that healthcare, particularly in the world of hospitals, world of hospitals, will be changed forever, even when there is a quote unquote vaccine? To what degree do you believe
4: dramatic change forever? So I think, you know, COVID made a lot of changes, some of them negative, some of them are positive. I think, you know, one of the positive things that came out of COVID, and I think it's here to stay, regardless of vaccine or not, is, you know, telemedicine and the ability of being able to speak with patients and see patients as we're talking now, you know, on Zoom or other applications. So I think that that was great. And another positive thing out of COVID, which uh, we always talk about and our infectious disease specialists always talk about is washing your hands, you know, be, being careful in terms of um, spreading infections and sure. uh, things like, so those are all positive things that will stay. Um, and the one thing that I'm really proud of- A few seconds uh, left, go ahead. Yeah, especially in, in the hospital is how everyone came together and you know the teamwork that helped us, uh, you know, treat the pa- treat patients as best as we can. Absolutely, and, and on behalf of all the patients and
1: families of uh, patients, et cetera, et cetera, thank you for the work that you and your colleagues on the front line do every day. Thank you, Dr. Ganat. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm Steve Aravotta. We'll be right back.
5: The essence of the Northward Center is ingrained in our values, thoughts, and actions. What began as a storefront on Bloomfield Avenue has evolved into a life-changing community nonprofit. The mansion is steeped in tradition, but with all of its grandeur, the true essence of the North Ward Center is in the people we serve. So as the North Ward Center commemorates 50 years of service, let's also celebrate the many opportunities yet to come.
1: We're now joined by Dr. Kathleen Neville, who is... uh... Associate Dean, Graduate Studies and Research, College of Nursing, Seton Hall University. Good to see you,
6: Doctor. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Let's talk uh, about the role of nursing, the role of nurses in the age of COVID. How much has it changed and how much more important is it today than ever before?
6: Okay. I think I could talk about 45 minutes about that. Yeah, right. But um, it's dramatically changed everything. It's, you know, COVID has wrecked, Havoc, uh, you know, this is a pandemic that the last one was in 1918, 1921. Um, this, ironically, the, inter, the World Health Organization um, announced that 2020 was a year of the international nurse and midwife. That's and right. it really, it really wasn't recognition, uh, and the International Council of Nursing, it really wasn't recognition for society to really recognize the value of nursing. Because the World Health Organization, I think, estimates there's going to be an incredible worldwide shortage of nursing. So this, it was supposed to be a celebration. And it was really to highlight the value that nurses have in improving the world's health. And ironically, I think we've done that with COVID. What nurses have endured you know, hopefully in New Jersey at least it has really leveled off, but it's been extremely challenging. Um, and you know, they were at the the front lines. Nurses are the ones who spend the most amount of time with the patient. Repeatedly, Gallup poll says they are the most trusted and valued. And I think what we've seen in the news, it, you know, has really highlighted the value and importance of nursing. I'm I've never been more proud to be a nurse. Do Do you
1: think, doctor, that given the difficult times that nurses are facing, the, the the need for better and more PPE, et cetera, et cetera, the long hours, the stress, the seeing people suffering, death, et cetera, do you think it's going to be harder for people to choose to go into nursing?
6: <laughs> okay. So when, when, you know, in March when the pandemic hit, I thought, oh wow, we're really going to, what's going to happen to enrollments? Right. Remarkably, remarkably, because nurses really are very altruistic. Remarkably, sure. nationwide, we've seen an increase in enrollment. We have more graduate students coming in this fall than we did last year. So, you know, it could have gone two ways. It could have said, you know, I thought, uh-oh, what's going to happen? No, it's really, I, I, think, I think it's highlighted the heroism and just the you know, nurses don't do it. My mother says, you know, people are going into nursing because of the salary. You never <laughs> go into nursing because of the salary. Right. It's too right. difficult and challenging um, a, a, a job.
1: Clearly. By the way, there's a, there's a federal grant that you and your colleagues have gotten, um, but let me just also disclose, Seton Hall University, uh, uh, one of our higher ed partners at the Caucus Educational Corporation, you got a federal grant dealing with opioid use disorder, right? Yes. What is it and why does it matter so much?
6: It is so, so important. You know, now we have a collision of a pandemic and the opioid epidemic has been mounting and mounting. Um, you know, this all started in the 80s with the, you know, pain, more effective pain management. But the opioid epidemic is... It, before COVID has killed more people from recent wars, violence, um, uh, motor vehicle accidents. So we wrote this grant and it it really it's it's we're very proud of this. It is a wonderfully interprofessional initiative. So we moved Seton Hall, the College of Nursing, and the School of Health and Medical Sciences in May of 2018. And I had just, I really retired from a state position and then took this uh, position as Associate Dean at Seton Hall because of the wonderful opportunities for interprofessional education. So we moved to the Nutley, the former Roche Pharmaceutical Campus, and um, we weren't even unpacked. And we started writing this grant to, um, to address the opioid epidemic, to combat it. And basically what it is, It is a three year grant. We're in our second year. Uh, It'll end in September and we have our last year. Um, uh, It'll end in 2021. Basically what the grant is, it, it is a, we designed a curriculum, embedded curriculum. It's going to be sustainable for all three schools. We can no longer, uh, teach in silos anymore, healthcare right. demands that we're together. So what this opioid uh, grant is, it's to educate nurse practitioners, medical students, and PAs to be able to prescribe medication assisted uh, treatment, because 80% of people cannot do not have access to MAT, and wow. that's the sad thing.
1: Um. Dr. Neville, let's. When you come back next time, we'll do an update on where the nursing profession is, what's happening at the School of Nursing, also an update on this federal grant. But I want to thank you for joining us, and, and on behalf of all of us who who appreciate the work of nurses now more than ever, it, not only should 2020 be the year in nurse, um, every year should be. Thank you, Doctor. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you. You got. It. I'm Steve Arribato. We'll be right back.
0: To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media.
1: We're now joined by Dr. Kerry Lebenger, who is Chief Medical Officer of Summit City MD. Good to see you, doctor.
7: Thanks, and thanks for having us and letting us tell our story and the story of uh, the boots on the ground in healthcare during COVID.
1: Well, describe what that looks like, because you have said to our producers and said to others, we need to follow the science and don't follow the fear. Break that down.
7: Yeah, so uh, the science tells us who are the high-risk patients, who aren't, um, the incidence of the uh, of the uh, uh, COVID-19, uh, what the treatments can be, what the treatments can't be. And over the last six months, from a disease that was not known, although coronavirus, as you know, it causes the common cold. Uh, to our knowledge now, every day is, is a change. We now know who are high-risk people, uh, how to treat better in the hospital. Uh, but even with all that, the science told us from 500 years ago that everything that Dr. Fauci and our leaders have been telling us still holds true. Masks, washing hands, and socially distancing are the best way not to get an infectious disease.
1: By the way, by, by way of background, Dr. LeBenger completed his fellowship at New York um, Hospital Cornell Medical Center, which is, in fact, where Dr. Fauci also studied, correct?
7: Correct. Um, Tony has been well known to all of us. I'm, I'm, I'm older, almost as old as Tony is. Uh, he, we were at Rockefeller University. Um, Tony was a leader in what we call vasculitis in the 70s, then with the AIDS epidemic, became the world, one of the world leaders. And then every few years popped pop up with whether it be SARS, MERS, H1N1. So we all have a great relationship, although from afar, and his leadership has has told us to follow the science.
1: Mm. Brother, let me make it clear to folks that Summit City MD is in fact an underwriter of our healthcare programming. Doctor, I want to follow up on something. Uh, this the vaccine issue, how much should our focus from your perspective be on the a vaccine the vaccine there are know there are multiple uh clinical trials right now and how much should be on therapeutics but also on protecting ourselves and protecting others
7: well i think we all know and steve you're probably a big um proponent the best disease or the easiest de- disease to treat is the one you never get so by protecting yourself is the first layer uh, and until there's an effective vaccine and and let me say uh, there's going to be an effective vaccine. It pr- You're it'll confident? Prob- uh, I'm confident. Uh, I'm, an, I'm a clinical immunologist. There are so many good people and brilliant people working on it, and this, the technology is so much different than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago, and the science between some of them are messenger RNA, some of them are gene therapies, some of them. Uh, so there's so much different... Going on now, that there will be a, a vaccine, and and here's the thing: it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be safe and get get us to that herd immunity to stop the spread going forward.
1: For those who continue to push, open up the country. Why aren't we playing more sports? Why can't kids go to school? You say, I
7: say, be patient. Okay. Um, I think at this time, with the fact that we know that a vaccine is only maybe four to six months before we get it out to the, the public, to those vulnerable people, so this is going to be a lost year. Just chalk it up as a lost year, and let's let's continue to do what we're doing. Don't open up quickly, and by next spring, after the vaccine's been out for a couple of weeks, we immunize the high-risk, the moderate-risk patients, Let's then we could open up and enjoy our lives, and it'll be a thing of the past.
1: It's interesting, Doug. You're calling it a lost year, but it's also a learning year because you've said publicly, what an incredible change, sea change in the world of healthcare post-COVID or during and then post-COVID. Describe what that change looks like.
7: Well, absolutely. So, one... Taking good care of yourself. Uh, and if you look at, th- at the risk factors, and it's very interesting, uh, Cleveland Clinic just came out with a risk assessment uh, tool to see who's at risk of getting hospitalized, and it's been validated. You know, if you have the risk factors, diabetes, hypertension, all things that can be treated with uh, uh, easy uh, preventative medicine uh, going forward, uh, good uh, social uh, di- uh, hygiene. Also, these things could have all been prevented. And now we're learning so much more about the immune system. Uh, You know, in in the 1600s, why did half of Europe die of the bubonic plague or 1500s as opposed, and the other half live? What is about our immune system? And we're learning so much from this disease. Now, it's sad that, you know, so many hundreds of thousands of people have had to... um, uh, give their lives, and um, right. it's it's kind of dis- disrespectful when we see people um, socially um, being irresponsible. Uh, it's disrespectful. Or not the wearing health. masks,
1: refusing wearing to wear masks. masks, like it's a political statement.
7: Right. So I tell to those people, you know what? It's a political statement. But you know what? Make your political statement in six months. Right now, <laughs> why don't you just respect the people, like your loved ones, the people you know? Um, you have a, 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 a you have a a responsibility, you know, you are your brother's keeper. Uh, and it's amazing that some of these people wanna make the political statement are, are the first ones to say, yes, we are a brother's keeper. But if you are, wear the mask, wash your hands, socially distance, and the vaccine will be out in a few months and we could pick it up and go forward. What I think we're going to learn is that preventative medicine is everything. And Dr. Fauci for years has been wanting a universal flu vaccine, a universal Corona vaccine, and maybe we could be more proactive than reactive.
1: Mm. Uh, Dr. Kerry LeBenger, we're we're just a little bit or even more than a little bit smarter uh, after that interview, um, that conversation. So I want to thank you for joining us on behalf of everyone in public television. Thank you and all of your colleagues on the front lines, um, doctors, nurses, um, respiratory therapists, a whole range of other people who are taking care of all of us and those who get sick with this virus. Thank you, Dr. LeBenger. We appreciate it.
7: Thank you very much for having
1: me. Bye-bye. You got it. I'm Steve Adubato. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.
0: Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by Johnson & Johnson, TD Bank, New Jersey Sharing Network, psc the Northward Center, the Russell Berry Foundation, NJM Insurance Group, the Fidelco Group, and by the Adler Aphasia Center. Promotional support provided by AM 970 The Answer and by northjersey.com and Local IQ, part of the USA Today network.
5: The essence of the North Ward Center is ingrained in our values, thoughts and actions. What began as a storefront on Bloomfield Avenue has evolved into a life-changing community nonprofit. The mansion is steeped in tradition, but with all of its grandeur, the true essence of the North Ward Center is in the people we serve. So as the North Center commemorates 50 years of service, let's also celebrate the many opportunities yet to come.